0: Good morning, welcome everyone. My name is Tim Harris, I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. So glad to see you. How was Christmas? it so good? Good? Not so good? Anybody already taking a tree down? Hands up. Already taking it down? Ah, yeah, you're, yeah you're, my, you're my people. Yeah, I'm so ready. I love Christmas, I really do, but when it's over, I'm done. I'm just done, ready to ready to get the house back. No matter how bad your week was, I think Miss Universe had it worse. Did, did y'all see that? Can you even imagine, Uh, he put the crown on the girl's head and she's thinking, I won, I miss Universe, I'm beautiful. And then they took it off her head. Uh, I mean, that would be devastating. This is exactly why I don't do pageants. I could not, I could not take that kind of of disappointment. Uh, Tough week for her, tough week for a lot of us. I think in our culture, it becomes more and more difficult just to enjoy things because we sort of have become addicted to extreme experiences of all kinds. You can't just have a Merry Christmas now. You've got to have the best Christmas ever. I mean, that's the kind of pressure that we feel. And your kids, you want to give them the best Christmas ever. And the problem is, if you give them the best Christmas ever this year, what's that say for next year? I mean, we always have this sort of obligation and this this compulsion to uh, ramp up everything. Our expectations continue to grow and grow and become so high. The question becomes what happens to us <coughs> excuse me, when our expectations can't be met any longer? What happens when these epic expectations are, are, are not going to be met? We're setting ourselves up for epic disappointment. And as a matter of fact, a lot of folks experience that kind of letdown every year at this time, the sort of the after-Christmas blues, after-Christmas letdown. It's very, very difficult for anything to match the expectations that we have, and, and when it's all over, sometimes we settle back down into uh, kind of a disappointment. I want to talk about this morning, and, and especially talk about that in, in reference to Luke chapter 7. Often when we start the Christmas season, we start with a man named John the Baptizer. I call him Baptizer and not the Baptist because I don't want you guys thinking that like he was a Baptist like we're Baptists. Like like John the Baptist was the pastor of First Baptist Church, you know, Jerusalem. It's it's nothing like that. He's called the Baptist, the baptizer, because he baptized people. He's John the Baptizer, so that's why I tend to say that. John the Baptizer is the one who for many of us introduces the Advent season, the Christmas season. Because John is the one who was entrusted with that important role in salvation history to prepare the way of the Lord Jesus. To announce the coming of Jesus. To prepare a way in the wilderness for the messiah His name is Jesus that was John's role that's what John did and, and of all people it is John who experiences one of the most incredible after christmas letdowns ever and you find it in Luke chapter 7 beginning of the verse 18 John is let down Jesus doesn't match his expectations and John takes his disappointment straight to Jesus uh, let's look at it John uh, the baptizer in Luke chapter 7 verse 18 here's the word of the lord The disciples of John the baptizer told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called for two of his disciples and he sent them to the Lord to ask him, Are you the one we've been expecting or should we be looking for someone else? John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the baptizer sent us to ask, Are are you the one we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him that God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. A kid named Daryl was a college student. He was raised by Christian parents, raised by parents who taught him that Jesus is real. But as soon as he went to college, as in the first week of college, his parents let Daryl know that they were getting a divorce, which was devastating to him. And it triggered for him what became not just an emotional crisis for his family, but a a faith crisis. He began to lose his faith. Primarily because he he would say that the very people who taught him that Jesus is real, apparently he wasn't real enough to keep their marriage together. Daryl could feel his faith slipping away, and he really wanted to hold on to it. (coughs) Excuse me, he really wanted to hold on to his faith. He ran across uh, one day... On the internet an evangelist, a Christian evangelist who's signs and wonders, miracle worker, kind of evangelist, and started watching his sermons on YouTube got really drawn to that that kind of preaching that that kind of um, miracle service <clears throat> because more than anything, Daryl just wanted to know that Jesus was real, that his power was real. <clears throat> Excuse me, this cough is real. <clears throat> So Daryl noticed on, uh, on, on the guy's website that he would be preaching in a town uh, in the next state over. A big crusade, a, a signs and wonders crusade. He decided to go. He went, he skipped school and went. The, the service was amazing. <clears throat> absolutely amazing. The music was electrifying. Nothing like his church back home. Uh, people were dancing and people were singing and shouting you would find circles of people all around him who were praying in other tongues, praying in tongues, which he'd never experienced. It was, it was uh, thrilling, really. It felt real. At the end of the sermon, people lined up on the stage to come up for healing, for, for miracles, and the evangelist would lay his hands on people, and they would, they would shout that they were healed, and it was amazing. I'm healed, I'm healed. What really stuck out for Darrell was one man in particular who was an older man who, it it turns out, was a a family physician about two towns over from where Daryl lived. He was close by. His name was a Dr. McGonagall. He was a doctor, a a medical doctor. Thank you, Jackie. He was a physician, and they brought him up on the stage in a wheelchair, and and he looked sick. He, He had been diagnosed with incurable cancer, and he looked like he was days from death, and he probably was, but Devansis laid his hands on this Dr. McGonagall, this this physician. And, and when he laid his hands on him, the man stood up. He hadn't walked in weeks, he hadn't had the strength to stand, but he stood up and he started proclaiming, I'm healed. I'm healed. And his wife was crying and everybody was crying. And, and this is what got Daryl because he's a, he's a doctor, he's a, he's a physician. And, and this physician experiences this power of, of Jesus and stood to his feet and proclaimed himself healed. Daryl went home, it's just like he's floating on a cloud. His heart was racing for days. To have seen that, to experience that, <clears throat> that power of Jesus. <clears throat> he went home, continued to think about it, just so excited. And decided he wanted to talk to that Dr. McGonagall, because remember, he was just two towns over. <clears throat> and so he did some research on the internet and found the guy's home phone number called him up it was two weeks to the day from the crusade a lady answered the phone he said listen my name is Daryl so-and-so I was I was at the crusade in Milwaukee a couple of weeks ago two weeks ago and and, and I just saw your husband who was healed I saw him stand up and and uh, I knew that y'all were close by I just wondered if I might talk to your husband I'd love to meet him and and, and talk to him about that experience talk to him about Jesus the woman said who, who did you say this is Daryl was at the crusade and She said, we had hoped for a miracle, but I buried my husband yesterday. Daryl said he hung up the phone, and when the woman said, I buried my husband, Daryl said, you just could bury my faith because my faith was dead. Do you know anything about that? Have you ever experienced that kind of of, of, of of disappointment, just crushing disappointment with God? I hesitate as a pastor even to to, to bring a message like this because I know some of you don't. You, you don't resonate with that. You you, you sort of live a, a life of of praise and glory, and, and you've never had expectations shattered like that. You've never really had a crisis of, of faith, but but a lot of you have. And because of those that I know you have, I I simply cannot not bring this kind of message. We have to talk about this. You have to know how to think about these things. Here's the principle. The basic principle is is expectation set you up, either for satisfaction or disappointment. It's not so much about the way things turn out. It's what you expect. It's what you expect. Expectations are what set you up for satisfaction or or, or disappointment in any realm of your life. It all comes down to what you are led to expect. So in your life with Jesus, in your life of faith, your life of praying and following Jesus and trusting him, what do you expect? If you don't expect trouble, if you don't understand that sometimes what you hope for isn't necessarily going to be what happens today, if you're not prepared for that, then then your expectations will be crushed and so will your faith be. Did you understand? You, You must be able to think about these matters. You have to be able to, to identify your expectations because if your expectations are, are somehow off, then your faith is not going to survive the, the next crisis, the troubles of life. You won't know how to stand, be crushed. So what are you supposed to expect? What is it that we are to expect from Jesus from a life with him? If John the baptizer can experience this kind of crushing disappointment, then then we will too. How do you hold faith together when when all of your expectations are, are, are shattered? What can we expect from Jesus? First off, Jesus promises us that he'll never leave us, never forsake us. So you can expect that. He will never, ever leave you. He will never abandon you. There will never be a time when you will call on him and he will not answer. This you can expect. However, that in itself has another side to it. Now I'm going to tell you this story, not because I don't think you've heard it, you probably have. But I want you to think about what this story says, all right? It's a story about the old man and his wife, Ethel he woke up from heart surgery, and he opened his eyes. He said, oh, Ethel, there you are. You're always here. And she said, that's right, honey, I'm always with you. He said, Ethel, you were with me through this entire surgery. She said, yes, honey, I am always with you. I'm always beside you. I'll stay beside you. He said, Ethel, you were with me this surgery, and you were with me my last two heart surgeries. You were with me then too. And she said, that's right, honey, I'm always with you. He said, you know, Ethel, and, and you know what? You were with me when I got bit by that rattlesnake. You were with me then. She said, that's right, honey, I'm I'm with you. And he said, and and when the house burned and we lost everything, you were with me then? She said, that's right, honey, I'm right beside you. He said, you know what I've decided, Ethel? You're bad luck. Okay, I I don't tell you that because I don't think you've heard it. I tell you that because I want you to think about that sort of logic. You see, he assumed that since she was always with him, that makes her somehow always to blame. And we do the same sort of thing in our logic with Jesus. We somehow think that just because Jesus is always there, that he must be always to blame. And that is not the case. That is not the case. Yes, he is always with you. He is with you in every dark place. But that doesn't mean that he brings the darkness. Do you understand? He's with you through every trial. He's with you when your expectations are demolished. He is with you in your your worst days of your life. But that doesn't mean he brings you the worst days of your life just because he's always there it does not mean he's always to blame. You have to stop this sort of crazy logic that's not not in any way shape or form the, the way your relationship with Jesus is shaped. He's always there. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But that doesn't mean you won't have trouble. Do you understand? scripture makes it absolutely clear in this life you will have trouble you're going to have trouble if you don't expect that if you don't understand that then when the bottom falls out you're going to think that something strange is happening to you you're going to think that something that 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 was unpredictable has happened but it's completely predictable in this life you will have trouble You, you will have trouble just ask john the baptizer You've read about him in Scripture, right? You understand this man. He's he's amazing. He was ahead of Jesus. He's called the forerunner. He's the one that that the prophets foretold would come and prepare the way of the Lord. And John the baptizer, he blazed a trail for the Lord. He prepared a way in the wilderness. Now, I don't know how some of you would have felt about him. You probably wouldn't have liked the way he dressed. He just wore animal hides. I mean, no underwear, nothing, just animal hides. That in itself is shocking, but just read the scriptures. He ate bugs, y'all. John the Baptizer ate bugs. I'm not making that up. He ate bugs and, and dressed in wild hides and just stood out in the wilderness and preached. I mean, he stood out in the wilderness. He didn't have to go into town and rent a storefront. He didn't have to put up signs. He just went out into the wilderness and he preached like a man on fire. And people started coming out just to watch him burn. I mean, this man was amazing, absolutely amazing. And he talked about the one who was coming after him. His name would be the Messiah. His name would be Jesus. You understand? He started talking about Jesus and how Jesus would come and how you better get ready, John would say. You better get ready. Because his coming is like an ax. It's like there's an ax poised over your head, an ax over your head. And when the Messiah comes, that ax is going to fall on you. The coming of the Messiah will be like an ax falling on sinners. That's what John the baptizer said. He's I baptize you with water, but the one coming after me, he's going to baptize you with fire. That's what John said. He's going to burn this nation, and, and you better be ready. You better prepare for this. He's going to fall on you like an axe. He's going to burn you like fire. And that was his message, turn or burn. That that was his message, and John would preach it to anybody. I mean, just anybody. This fool would preach it to anybody, which is what got him into trouble. He preached this message, turn or burn, to King Herod. Now, this is the guy who can put you in jail. You understand? So before you preach turn or burn to the man who can put you in jail, you probably ought to think twice. John the baptizer is not the kind of guy to think twice. He preached it to Herod. Herod was apparently shacking up with his brother's wife. I don't have to make this stuff up, y'all. It's in the Bible. He's shacking up with his brother's wife. So John the Baptist stepped right out and called him out, to turn or burn to the king too. So when you say that to the man who can put you in jail, don't be surprised if you end up in jail. So John the baptizer's in jail. When he sends this message to Jesus, are, are, are you the one we were expecting? I mean, he's in jail because things haven't turned out the way John expected. I mean, when Jesus stepped out onto the banks of the Jordan River, John stepped back and said, there he is, y'all, there he is. That's the one I've been telling you about. This is the one. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one. He must increase. I must decrease. I mean, John expected that that his followers would leave him and go after Jesus. John understood that that was his purpose. That was no surprise to him, that that Jesus would become something great and John himself would begin to disappear. John expected that. What he did not expect was the way Jesus came. Jesus didn't come the way John preached. I mean, you could say that John must be feeling like a fool. Because John said that he's going to come like an axe hanging over your head and that axe will fall on you, sinner, but that's not what Jesus did. He didn't come like an axe swinging over the head of sinners. Jesus came and they called him the the friend of sinners. John said, axe, we got friend. That's not what he expected. John said, the one coming after me is going to baptize you with fire. It wasn't fire, it was forgiveness. Jesus didn't bring the fire. He brought forgiveness, and John didn't expect that. That's not what he preached. All the people who heard John preach and all the people that John directed toward Jesus, this didn't turn out. Jesus may be the one that sets the captives free, but John's sitting in jail. How many captives do you have to set free to, to really settle in if you're still the one in jail? None of this has gone the way John expected. None of this has matched this preaching. None of this is what John pictured. So John, the baptizer, sends a message to Jesus and says, Are are you the one? Are you even the one we expected or should we be looking for somebody else? What does it mean when your life with Jesus doesn't meet any of your expectations? What does it mean when your life in Jesus lands you in a pit, puts you in a place where the bottom just drops out? Nothing goes like you planned. Nothing goes like you hoped. What does that mean? I mean, John was radically and faithfully obedient to his calling and obedient to Jesus. And look where it got him. What does it mean? Very, very simply, y'all, this is life. This is life. And there's nothing in Scripture that, that would make you expect otherwise. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. I mean, can it get any plainer than that? In this world, you will have trouble. You're going to have trouble. That is life. Life is unpredictable, and you just can't count on it. But just because you can't count on life doesn't mean you can't count on Jesus. This is how life is life will break your heart life is not going to turn out always way you expect it's just not some of you are coming off the worst year imaginable i've been your pastor i've walked you through it it's been a horrible year a horrible year none of this is what you expected and you don't have any idea what 2016 holds none of us does we we don't know now we can hope for the best so we can expect great things but expecting great things doesn't necessarily bring great things life is something that is unpredictable and it's a world of trouble and you're not going to escape at all you're going to have trouble too it's just going to happen that is life you can't predict it you can't count on it you'll go broke betting on it life is life you can't count on life but that doesn't mean you can't count on Jesus do you understand what I'm saying This is John's life. He's sitting in prison and he sends word to Jesus just to get something from Jesus. Jesus, talk to me here, I'm in jail. Are you the one? Are you even the one? This isn't anything like what I expected. This isn't the the kind of of thing I preach. It's not what I was looking for, Jesus. Are you the one or should we be looking for somebody else? You you know, it's, it's amazing. In just a couple of days, I mean, read the Bible. In a couple of days, John the baptizer is going to have his head cut off by King Herod. They're going to use his head as a centerpiece at one of Herod's dance parties in the palace. I don't have to make this stuff up, y'all. It's in the Bible. They're going to cut off his head and put it on a platter and bring it into the dance party. I mean, this is how John the baptizer is going to end. He expected that Jesus' coming would would bring the victory of righteousness and and, and the complete defeat of evil. But that's not how it looks now. That's not how it looks at all. You understand? It looks like righteousness is losing. That's how John would would describe the world. And it looks like evil wins. King Herod is evil and he wins. Are you the one? He says to Jesus, Are you the one? And of all things, Jesus says, Tell John, blessed is the one who doesn't take offense because of me. What does that even mean? Blessed is the one who does not fall away because of me. Jesus knows he hasn't matched John's expectations. He knows that. If this story doesn't teach you anything else, let it teach you that you can say anything you need to say to Jesus. You can say anything you need to say. Because John says it right to Jesus. Either one. Jesus says, you tell John that the blind see. And that the lame can walk. And that the lepers are healed. And that the deaf can hear. And the good news is being preached all across the land. And blessed is the one who takes no offense because of me. Just before Christmas, a dude named Gus was at Walmart and he saw this older lady in the parking lot and her car wouldn't start. Gus was pretty handy, so he went over to her and said, ma'am, can I help you? She said, yes, if you don't mind. Would you, I'm going to pop the hood on this thing and will you jiggle the wire on the battery? (laughs) He said, let me look at your battery. So she popped the hood, sure enough, and went over and took the the positive wire off the battery and it just came off in his hand. I mean, it it needed to be tightened. It was was just too loose. He said, ma'am. I could jiggle this wire for you, but but if you let me go back to my truck and get my wrench, I can fix this for you. She said, no, no, no. Just jiggle the wire. Just jiggle the wire. My husband says jiggle the wire. So Gus is thinking, well, you know, is your husband gonna ride around with you every time you turn this car off? Because you have to jiggle this wire every single time you turn the car off. I mean, you gonna be jiggling this wire to, you know. He said, ma'am, I could jiggle that wire for you, but if you'll give me just a moment, just a moment, let me go get my wrench. I can fix, no, 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 just jiggle the wire, jiggle the wire. He said, ma'am, just sit tight, I'm going to fix this for you. She goes back to his truck, he gets the wrench, he tightens it down, she starts it up, he fixed her car. And and Gus said that as he, as as he shut the hood on that car, he he understood something very important about his own self. He just said, you know, in my own life with the Lord so often what i want god to do is just jiggle the wire of my life just 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 jiggle the wire for me you know what i'm saying just just give me the quick fix get me through this moment just jiggle the wire just jiggle the wire but but what jesus wants to do for you is so much more important than just jiggling the wires of your life do you understand what i'm saying Jesus' work in your life is actually beyond what you can imagine or understand. It is much more comprehensive. It's not just that Jesus has come to jiggle the wires of a sinful and fallen world. He's not just jiggling wires here. Jesus has come to save and redeem the whole world, all of creation. He's going to make it new not just jiggling the wires here. And in your own life, he's not just going to jiggle the wires. You just want wires jiggled. You just want Jesus to to fix this this present thing for you. Whatever it is that's broken today, whatever it is that has you frustrated, that that has you depressed, whatever it is that makes you just want to give up, you just want Jesus to jiggle the wires and let you get on your way. But Jesus is not a jiggle the wire kind of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? He is going to fix you. He's going to redeem you. He's going to not just clean up this present mess, but he's going to redeem the entire mess of your whole life and mine too while he's at it. What Jesus is doing is nothing less than saving the entire world. You and I are going to be taken up into that, but we're not necessarily the center of it. Do you understand? It's not all about me. I'm going to be taken up into something so much bigger than I am. I want Jesus just to jiggle the wires a little bit. I mean, fix me now, fix me today, fix what's broken today. But Jesus doesn't just fix what's broken today. Jesus is doing more intensive work, a a deeper kind of mission that he's called for. What I'm saying is you don't always understand the work that Jesus is doing, but that doesn't mean he's not doing everything exactly right. You don't understand it. You don't necessarily see how he's at work, but that doesn't mean he's not at work. Do you see what I'm saying? We're always just wanting him just to to come in. And in this present moment, deliver me. In this present moment, fix what's broken right now. But Jesus is fixing a broken world. He's going to fix the whole thing. He's not just jiggling wires. Tell John that... That the blind can see, and that the the, the mute can speak, and, and the lame can walk, and the deaf can hear. Tell John that the good news is being preached all across the land. And tell John, God blesses the one who doesn't fall away because of me. Is that an answer? I mean, John's question was, are you the one? Yes, no, are you the one? And Jesus just says, blessed is the one doesn't fall away because of me. Jesus knows he hasn't met John's expectations. Jesus understands what John doesn't know, but John doesn't yet understand everything that Jesus knows. You don't either. So you got to trust him. You have to trust him. You can't fall away just because life hasn't turned out the way you expected. You have to trust Jesus. He's going to make everything right in the end. So if it's not right, it's not the end. You understand? You have to trust him. Sometimes you're going to get frustrated. Sometimes life is going to crush your expectations, and that's difficult. You will not always see what Jesus is doing or understand how he's at work, but you have to trust that he's doing everything exactly right for the world, for you too. Trust him. No matter what, trust him. God, there are those in this room who have had a devastating year, a a devastating year. And here at the end of one year and the beginning of a new year, Lord, they just have a very difficult time understanding what's going to come next. No longer know what to expect. Lord, life is full of trouble sometimes, and some of us have gotten more than our fair share lately. Lord, sometimes when we are the one in the cell, in the, in the prison cell, when we are the one in the hospital room, when we are the one at, at the funeral home, Lord, when we are the one waiting and waiting and waiting for the call, when we are the one whose husband doesn't love us, when we are the one whose teenager says that she hates us, Lord, when we are in that person's skin, Lord, we don't always know where you are we don't always know what you're doing. And Lord Jesus, we confess that sometimes it feels like we call and you don't answer. Sometimes it feels like, Lord, that if you're in control, why is it that our life is so out of control? We don't know what to think. We don't understand it. We don't know how to explain it, Lord. So help us to trust you. If you're not the one, we have no other one. We have no other God to pray to. Jesus, you are the shepherd of our souls. You are our Lord and our Savior. We need to know that you have your hand upon us and that your eye never closes. We need to know. But this knowledge, this faith just doesn't come from us, Lord. We don't have it. So, Lord Jesus... Strengthen us. Give us strength. Give us faith. Lord, this present trial is exhausting, and we don't even know if we can make it through another day, another week, another year like this. We know we can't unless you will give us strength. We know that you're with us and that you never leave us or forsake us. You never abandon us. You never turn away from us, Lord Jesus. We just need to know that we are sheltered in your arms. So shelter us, Jesus. Shelter us in every storm, through every trial. Hold us that we may not give up. We pray these things in your precious name. Jesus, amen.